God just blessed us, as it already been said, this weekend, this past weekend. And I know not everybody was able to be in those services, but if you haven't listened to those online, I believe it'd be helpful. Praise God. We're turning to 1 Samuel again. Some of this is going to go, uh, just kind of follow on some of the things we said this weekend. But uh, I appreciate God's people praying. And I know you're going through a lot of battles. The devil hates what's going on around here. And that's the way we want it. We don't want to make the devil happy. We don't want him to be comfortable. Hallelujah. So I appreciate everybody's prayers, everybody's worship, your faithfulness. God bless you for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence in this house tonight. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and blessing us so abundantly, God. Thank you for helping us already tonight in this service. We're asking you, please, to just continue to help us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, God. Help, Lord, you know just right where we are. And I pray that you just bring a word to us tonight, Lord, that is timely. And, Lord, that you would minister to every need, God. We love you you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. We're going to read 1 Samuel 4 in verse 19, just kind of backing up and uh, covering a little bit of what we had already talked about last time we were in these scriptures, and uh, praise the Lord. 1 Samuel 4 verse 19 says, and his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. God bless you. You can be seated. Heard a message years ago at impacted me about these services, these, these verses rather. I remember many messages growing up that this young baby, newborn baby, was given this name Ichabod. If you'll remember our message here recently about Jabez, that Jabez was given a message, uh, a name that conveyed a message that he had caused much pain in his childbirth. Uh, It is really, in hindsight, quite a thing to lay that on a small child, isn't it? To lay that kind of identity on that baby and remind them every time that they are called into the room that you have caused great pain. But I'm so glad, like we already preached, that God is able to help us overcome our past, to give us a new name and a new identity. Amen. 
So glad that we don't have to be bound to those old mistakes. We don't have to be tied up in our past. That's why this new birth experience is so exciting that we die to that old life and are born again into a new family. Amen. That old life is buried with Christ. Hallelujah. And that we are new creations, new creatures in Christ. I'm so thankful that I don't have to look back at all the things that I once was and I once did and that is held on my conscience. See, the blood of Jesus that we sang about tonight will cleanse that conscience of yours that no longer you carry that guilt and shame, but you're new, you're free. Amen. Whom the Son has made free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. I can understand from the perspective of this woman in her last moments of life. It just seemed like God had turned Himself against Israel. Amen? It seemed like everything had gone wrong. It seemed like their enemies were conquering and they were losing. The priest was killed, died that day. The, the, the priest, her husband, and, and her, her, the, her husband's brother were killed in battle. The ark of God was taken. Her perspective was that everything was going wrong. Her perspective was that the enemy had the upper hand. Are you hearing me tonight? If we look at circumstances, if we look at situations, sometimes in our own minds we can gather all the facts and gather all the figures and come up with exactly the wrong idea of what's really going on because God's ways are far above our ways. The Bible tells us, let me quote it to you again, that we are not to lean unto our own understanding. We are to acknowledge Him in all our ways and let Him direct our path. Because our ways are not God's ways. The devil wants nothing more than for you to look around you and by your sight. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Amen. We stand with God and recognize that we can't see the whole picture. When you come to me and say, hey, what about this, Pastor? What about this? What about what I see? I'm not looking at what we can see, but I'm looking at God. Amen. God is greater than your situation. God is greater than your trial. God is greater than everything the enemy is telling you today. Amen. We already spoke on this, but God was getting ready to change some things for good. God was cleaning out the house. Amen. I know I've been in situations where God was purging and my heart was aching and I cried real tears and I said, God, I've been praying and God, I've been hoping for the best, but God had a way in it all to bring about even greater. Amen. He'll clean house. He'll purge. Amen. And thank God he does. I thank God for old friends here today. I thank God for those of you that have been faithful. Those of you that are, 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 are a blessing and a, and a strength to this ministry and to what God is doing. I thank God for new friends as well that God has brought in. Amen. God's not done yet. God's still working. The devil's a liar. And if you get your eyes on all the things the devil's doing, you're going to miss a revival. Oh, give God the glory. He's so good. Amen. 
I know I, I get tired of it. I'm not ignorant of what the devil's doing. I don't think we ought to walk in ignorance. But we ought to not be hyper-focused on all the, the wrong in the world, all the problems that are going on, all the bad news. I want my eyes on the promise. I tell you, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits. God's still doing good. Amen. Get your eyes on that. Amen. God was getting rid of Eli and bringing in a Samuel. God was getting rid of a of a lukewarm Laodicean ministry and bringing in somebody who was going to pray, somebody that knew the voice of God, somebody that was going to bring the people of God to repentance. God was working to bring revival in the land. Amen. Reminds me tonight of of the book of Job. We got a whole book in our Bible about this. About when everything looks like God is against us. I don't care how spiritual you might be tonight. If one after another, messengers came to you and started telling you, all your finances have been taken from you by the enemy. Amen? Your house has been burned down. Your children are now dead. One after another, problem after problem after problem. Tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Our reflex response, if you will. The wisdom, if you will, of our own perspective would say, God, what have I done to anger you? Why, God, have you turned against me and allowed all this pain in my life? Let me tell you again, we got a whole book in our Bible, many, many passages throughout your Bible, but a whole book trying to tell us that when everything looks like God is against you, maybe it's God is just looking at you and bragging on you. Amen. Maybe God has already had a conversation with the devil and said, have you considered my servant? Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? You could look at the situations and very easily conclude that God is not with me anymore. The glory of the Lord has departed. God is not for me. God is against me. God has given up on me. God has cursed me. That's the farthest thing from the truth. Amen. This whole book is about how God was testing Job's faithfulness, saying, you know what, devil? You're not going to get him to turn his back on me. You're not going to get him to doubt me. You're not going to cause him to turn, turn away from me. That's my faithful servant. You will be tested. You will have trials. Read your Bible. Very beginning, it's, it's battle and tests and trials, troubles. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Who wouldn't maybe initially think that God was angry? But you know what Job did? He worshipped God. 
He worshipped God. Found a place before God and says, God, uh, you know, we said it here tonight when everything's going well. I know we're going through tests and trials. We said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When everything looks like it's against us, that's only part of the story. That's only part of the story. What you can see. Well, what about this, preacher? What about what's going on here? What about what you can't see? What about what God is doing? What about every situation and circumstance in the Bible that seemed like it was wrong, but God was working to bring all things together for good, like He promised He would? Amen. Well, hallelujah. He was bragging on Job. See, there's more going on. More going on than what just you're looking at in your comfort zone. Amen. Paul said, I want this messenger of Satan to leave me, God. This thorn in my flesh. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. I've got my hand on you. If you're uncomfortable for a while, maybe maybe I've got a plan nonetheless. Amen? I want to see whether you're going to love me above your circumstance. You're going to trust me above the adversity. Whether you're going to keep me right where I need to be. Are you going to exalt God? Are you going to magnify God? Or are you going to magnify the devil? You're going to magnify the trial. You're going to magnify the problem. Amen. Hey, is God bigger than your situation? Is God greater than your circumstance? Or isn't He? Amen. I'll give God the glory. We love you, Jesus. I said, God is greater than every battle. God's bigger than every mountain. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for that. God bless you. You going to magnify God? You going to exalt God? Job got his thinking tangled up. Yes, he did. And read how God rebuked him. Read how God came against him and said, where were you? You start saying, God, I don't understand why you're doing this. I'd prefer you do it a different way. God says, did I ask your opinion about any of this? Did I ask you when I was putting together this world, I thought maybe I might have missed something. Did you see something that I might have missed? When I'm taking care of all the animal kingdom, have I ever come to you and asked you to loan me some money so I could buy them food? Amen. When I was hanging the stars in the sky, did I ever ask you where it would be best? Amen? See, when we're going through things and we start saying, Hey, God, I think maybe you got some things, some things wrong. You are, it, oh, help us, God. How arrogant can we be sometimes thinking we can see the bigger picture of how God is trying to work all things together for good? We can't magnify ourselves. We've got to make a choice to magnify God. We've got to make a choice to trust Him when our circumstances are, are wearing us down. We've got to say, I'm going to trust you, God, when I don't understand. I'm going to trust you because you are God. Sometimes you're going to find out whether you convince He's good or not. When you start going through the fire. Amen. Men and women in this Bible said, I choose the lion's den over telling you that I won't follow him. 
I choose the, uh, the, the fiery furnace, praise God, rather than bow. Praise the Lord. I, I, because I'm convinced God is greater than my battle, than my adversity. This woman was looking at situations and circumstances that seemed by every bit of evidence, and the devil's going to whisper in your ear, that there is a spiritual battle going on. See, this is the thing we want to get to. There is a spiritual battle going on. The devil is working in the book of Job. And I'm certain he was right there with Phineas' wife saying, You see how God's left you? You see how God's left Israel? You see how you trusted him and how he's left you? Oh, no, that wasn't the truth. The devil's a liar. The devil's trying to get you to look at your circumstances and forget that God's brought you this far. He's going to take you all the way. Amen. Think about it. If we start looking there and start reading more what's going on in 1 Samuel, and we're not going to... There's two whole chapters dedicated to it right there. The ark was taken. And that was central to their worship, central to their identity. Their, it was the ark of the covenant. It was the, 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 the covenant of God right there in our midst. It's where the glory sat Above, that's why I said it was gone. But God was, God was still going to work. So the Philistines, the enemies who, who won the battle against God's children, are excited. We've got the ark, and now they're looking at the representation, if you will, of the God of Israel, the one true living God, and they're looking at that as just another, another idol. And they say, look at this, we've got a, we conquered them and we're going to put their God in with our God. They worship Dagon, who's a fish God. They said, we're going to put their God in with our God because their God obviously is on the same level, even maybe a little bit lower than our God. Because we beat their God, but we'll put him in. And the Bible says when they come back and check on their temple, their idol was down on its face before the ark of God. Listen to me. You can't put God on the same level as the enemy. You can't put God on the same level as the adversity. You can't put God below your circumstance and your situation. See, every knee is going to bow. Everything is going to fall before God. They thought, well, maybe the wind blew our God over. Maybe something happened where, you know, something shook the wrong way and our God fell over. So we're going to set Dagon back up because their God needed help. We're going to set our idol up and just make everything. Don't say, we're not going to talk about it. You know, we're just going to set them up. Everything will be all right. The next time they come in, not only is he falling before him, but he is broken. Amen. Listen, you can't put God on the same level as the false gods, as the lies that the enemy's trying to tell you. Amen. Are you hearing me tonight? Amen. God is going to be exalted. God is going to be magnified. And He's looking for you to make a choice to magnify Him in your situation. Magnify God when your circumstance looks bleak, when it looks hopeless, when you can exalt God nonetheless. Amen. Hallelujah. God's not going to be put on the same level. After a while, they started having all kind of problems and all kind of infestations. 
Amen. They started saying, we got to get rid of their God. <laughs> their God isn't happy being here. And uh, they came up with a plan. They came up with an idea to, because they weren't sure maybe it was a coincidence of some kind. Maybe it's just uh, all these things coming against us. But uh, they, uh, they took some, some cows away from their babies and put them on a put it on a cart and put the put the ark there and and set it out there and just watched and after a while those cows started taking it back to Israel. Certainly it was God working. Amen. God proven once more. You'd think you'd think that those people would have said, you know what, we need to go find out more about this God. You'd think they would say, you know, it, I hear people all the time saying, you know, I, if I saw a miracle, I'd really believe. If I, if God would do things my way, listen, God's not going to do work like that. God's showing you every day. If you'll humble yourself and really believe, amen, God's going to work. Hallelujah. And you just surrender to Him. I, I hear people sometimes say, say, well, you know, I don't understand why God doesn't do this for me if He really loved me. If He really loved you. The cross wasn't enough. I, I don't want to be rude, but that you ought to be ashamed of yourself. If God doesn't do this for me, if God doesn't do that for me, rising from the dead, taking your sin on the cross, coming and bearing your, your shame and your guilt, amen. You ought to thank God every day and serve Him just on that. Why? Why isn't that enough to show His love and His mercy to you? Amen. He meets your needs. He blesses you every day. He's given you His air to breathe. Oh, He's so good. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. The Bible says the ark went back. We have yet one more evidence of, uh, of man's stubbornness, man's pride, if you will preached on a few times the ark starts coming back those those cattle start taking the ark back to israel because i said god wasn't done and god's not done with you amen the devil tells you you're done it's finished and it's already been testified here tonight why didn't god give up on me a long time ago oh he's got a plan he's begun a good work he's going to complete it he's got a plan even in your trial if you let him work oh he'll do great things it's a shame. It's really sad to me. Just a few verses at the end of this uh, situation where the ark is going back to Israel, that it stops in a little town called Beth Shemesh. Now, not only were these Israelites, but this was a this was a uh, a city of refuge. This was a Levitical town. These were priests. If anybody knew how to handle what was holy, it should have been those in Beth Shemesh. They should have known this is God's work and this is God's blessing. This is, this, this is, this is to be handled carefully. I, I worry about folks that don't have a real experience with the holiness of God. The reverence of God. Amen. That, that church has got to be more than just a social experience. And we worship God. There, there ought to be reverence. Amen. There ought to be respect in the presence of God. Hallelujah. I still believe we're on holy ground. And that, that we, ought to, we ought to treat it as such. The Bible says 
when that ark came into Beth Shemesh, for whatever reason, these, these people there in that town started opening it up and, and started checking things out. And what they really did, I know there's been a lot of, uh, of different things said in, in, uh, in a lot of the mythology and the culture today and a lot of even the, the Hollywood representations of the ark, it wasn't so much that there's that, that uh, you open that thing up and, and uh, you're going to die like that. But they were treating it as a, just another piece of furniture, really. Just treating it casually. That was something holy to God. That was something dedicated to God. There was a way to handle it. There was a prescribed way that that was, that was set apart. It was consecrated unto God. It was dedicated to God. Amen. It wasn't just to be handled any old way. Amen. I, I believe that's the way that, that we worship God even today. That it, it's not something carnal. It's not something full of flesh. But it's something that is holiness unto God. Amen. I believe God's children ought to recognize that when you are filled and you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, hey, you've got a purpose for the play, for the glory of God that isn't to be used some 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 way like a piece of trash. Amen. You you called out. You're part of God's bride, and that makes you special in His eyes. Hallelujah. In Beth Shemesh. They needed to understand that something holy was happening, and they didn't need to just be just treating that some some way like it was not not the holiness of God in their presence. It, it's it's a hard it's a hard situation that we find later on. David is moving the ark, and the Bible says he comes up. I don't know why. You know, David was a great man. And the Bible tells us that he had every good intention of moving the ark. For whatever purpose, for whatever oversight, David seemed like he really... You know, you see him dancing before the Lord, and you see him, his prayers and his dedication to God. But for whatever reason, he came up with a great idea and just went with it. He should have slowed down, prayed about it. Should have thought about it. Maybe he discussed this with some of the priests that were there. But David said, we're going to move this ark. Oh, I love God so much. We're going to put it on a new cart. He probably thought that was a great idea. This isn't going to be any old cart. This is going to be a new cart. I heard people say already maybe he thought about the, the, the Philistines and got an idea from them. Whatever the case is, it wasn't a good idea. Because this was holy. This was God's means in that day. Of dwelling with his people. David put it on a cart and started moving it into the city of God. And, and uh, if he would have inquired, as he did later on, he would have known that the Levites were to carry it on the staves that went through the rings of the sides of the ark. There was a, a way God prescribed to move the ark. I know we're living in a day where it just seems like anybody comes up with any idea and they say, well, we're doing it for God. That should be all right. But it's still got to be spirit and truth worship. Amen. It's still got to be God's way. It's not our ideas. It's not our opinions. It's got to be God. David had good intentions. David probably thought it was a great idea. And if anybody come up with a great idea... Wow, David, I'm going to respect your idea. You're a man after God's own heart. But it wasn't God's will. 
The Bible says they put it on that cart, start moving it into town. And one of the wheels hit a, the oxen stumbled. One of the wheels hit a rock, whatever the case might be. And all of a sudden, the ark starts to, to topple over to the ground. And a man named Uzzah, another man I am sure, had nothing but good intentions. But all your excuses and all your reasoning, human reasoning, does not give you any right to put your carnal hands on what is holy. Do you understand that? I understand everything. He could have, he could have excused that all day long. He could have said, it's because it's so holy. It's because it's, I don't. But he put his carnal hands on what was holy and God struck him dead. Sometimes we put our hands on things that we don't belong in. Sometimes we start talking about things that we don't, we don't need to even worry about ourselves. We just need to let God be God. Sometimes we have our carnal reasoning and elevate ourselves when we ought to be magnifying God. But you can't handle God like you just handle anything else. That's holy unto God. And that's something that's missing in a lot of people's worship today. Amen. Uzzah thought, man, I'm going to save the day. Not with your will, not with your carnality, not with your best, because God's holier than that. I heard a man say, I'm not sure what the, I, I think I might know who it was, but he said Uzzah's main infraction was he thought somehow his hand was holier than the ground it was going to hit. See, we're not, our ways are never going to match the holiness. We've got to submit. We've got to surrender. See, every time, this is what I'm trying to tell you, every time we come into circumstances, whether it's Phineas' wife, whether it's Job, whether it's David or Uzzah, and you say, I got this figured out. I know exactly how it ought to go. And you're magnifying your own understanding. You're magnifying the situation and the circumstance and not giving God room to be God. You're going to fail every time. How many times have I told you when they came to the Red Sea, it would have never crossed anybody's mind. The only thing that crossed people's mind is, ah, we're going to die. This is hopeless. But God had a plan bigger than everybody had, would ever come up with. God's got a plan. We've got to learn. We've got to learn that any time we look at our circumstances and our situations and exalt that, Above God's ability to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to every promise that He's given us, according to every, that He is bigger than our situation. He's bigger than our circumstances. He's bigger than everything that Job heard from every messenger that came in. Amen. The, how could you, how can you possibly convince me that God isn't angry with me? He wasn't. Amen. How can you possibly convince me that the glory of, Lord, of the Lord is still with His people? It was. Amen. God was working. How can you convince me every single piece of evidence shows me that God is not working, that God is not here, that everything's going to be wrong and God says, I'm bigger than your evidence. I'm bigger than your adversity. I'm bigger than the devil. I'm bigger than your understanding and your wisdom. I'm greater than all of that. You need to magnify God above your circumstance. Amen. 
Oh, give him glory. Hallelujah. I want to turn to 1 Samuel 7 and just bring this to a close here. Oh, hallelujah. Like just what we said, 1 Samuel 7. Just let's start for sake of time in verse 2. It came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim that the time was long and it was 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. 20 years they looked at their situation and said, The glory of the Lord has departed. Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If if ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts. Somebody say repentance. If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only. He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. Samuel was bringing people's hearts back to God. See, they were looking at the circumstance. They were looking at the problems. But God was looking at their hearts. Listen to me. They were saying, the ark isn't with us anymore. And God's saying, your hearts haven't been with me forever. Amen? He's saying, they're looking at the situation and saying, the, the priests are dead and the high priest Eli is dead. And God's saying, your love for me has been dead. Now Samuel rises up and a young man that learned how to hear from God. A young man at an early age that learned how the voice of God in his life. And Samuel stands up and says, You want God to change some things in your life? You want God's blessing in your life? Turn your hearts back to Him. Repent of your sins. Put away all the old gods. You know, the, the false gods. Put away all the distractions. Put away all these things and start turning your heart back to God. You'll never have what God's really calling for you till you get rid of this pride that makes you feel like your will has to be exalted above God's will. That God's got to do it your way. That's what we talked about last weekend some, didn't we? That when you humble yourself and turn your heart back to God and say, God, I'm going to love you when it hurts. I'm going to love you through the valley. I'm going to love you when everything's against me. I love you because I know you've had your hand upon me from day one. You helped me. My will. Are you going to learn when you start following your will? It's never. It just always causes you more and more trouble. But God always brings you through. See what God was doing? He was, he was bringing their hearts back to Him. And they, He brought a Samuel in. Got rid of Eli. Got rid of Hophni and Phinehas. Brought in a Samuel. And Samuel saying, look to God. Turn your heart back to God. Surrender to God. And He'll turn His heart back to you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. See, God was working. And God's always working. God's got a plan. His ways are far above our ways. You can see it. I was reading in the book of Amos here recently. Trouble was hitting them left and right. And he said, you know what? In all this, you still haven't turned to me. You still haven't really humbled yourself and called on me. You still really haven't gotten rid of all the the sin in your lives and in your hearts. And I let some problems happen, not because I'm 
trying to hurt you. I'm trying to get you to a place where you surrender to me. Somebody mentioned it here during the testimonies this weekend. I believe it was Brother Brian talking about chastisement. He loves who he chastens. Chastens his children. Why? Not because he's angry. He's trying to bring us to a better place. Listen, the trials of your faith are more precious than gold as tried by fire, the Bible says. And he is going to try you. You're going to be tested. Are you going to worship God? Are you going to love God? Or are you going to magnify your will? Magnify your your adversity over a God that's been there through thick and thin. Come on, let's let's all come and pray. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Trust you, Lord. He can't do anything. 
66 books tell us he's greater than every trial, greater than every failure, greater than every enemy, greater than every situation and circumstance in your life. The question is, are you going to magnify God? Or are you going to magnify your problem? Are you going to magnify the promise? Are you going to magnify all the things that could go wrong? All the evidence that you see around you? Oh, hallelujah. God is faithful. God was working in 1 Samuel. He was purifying and purging and making a way for them to have spiritual leadership that would bring them to repentance and bring them into a place where they could be blessed. God's going to move us. God's going to shape us. He's going to take us from faith to faith going to take us to higher heights in our walk with Him. Sometimes it's it's through testing and trials, but He's always got a great plan. Trust Him today, church. Trust Him. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. God, I thank You again for, Lord, this great time that we can be together, Lord, in Your presence. Lord, thank You for the... Thank you, Lord, for just all that you are doing in our lives, God. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes it's not so evident. But, Lord, we trust you. You're working everything together for good. Lord, pray and you bless each one and let faith go with us tonight that we can stand even when the, when the battle rages, God. Keep us safe as we travel, Lord. Again, we pray for those that aren't here, God, that you would, Lord, touch and heal each one. We love you. We thank you, God. We ask it all in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church.